Welcome everyone to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. My name is Ben Wilson and today I'm on Zoom with Tammy Ottendai, who is my guest for a casual conversation over a cup of coffee. And um, we're going to be talking today about mental health. So this podcast is all about exploring deep and meaningful and important questions about being human and about our spiritual journeys as human beings on this uh, planet Earth. And one uh, topic that I think falls squarely into that category that is super important to talk about and difficult to talk about at, at times is our mental health. And what better and more important time to be talking about that than in the midst of a global health crisis, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. So Tammy, welcome on the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. And thank you so much for carving out some time from your busy schedule to meet with me today. I'm happy to, uh, to be here. I wish that I could have offered you a cup of coffee. I've, I just made myself a latte and you're probably just finishing a really hectic day in your clinic. Tell me, tell me about um, where you're at and, and what your day was like today. So I have a private practice in Pinoca and um, right now everything is online and on telephone. Uh, people can't come in for sessions. So uh, mental health is an essential service, but we've been advised by the College of Alberta Psychologists to use online therapy as much as possible. So my clinic is fully online right now. And um, I see six to eight people a day, depending on the day. So it was a full day today with uh, seven. Wow. And I mean, so you um, became a registered psychologist a couple years ago. Is that right? Could you give us a little bit of a sense for people who don't know you? And I haven't really had a chance to catch up with you properly in a while. Tammy and I went to went to high school together. Um, but in the 20 years since then, we haven't seen each other a lot. So it's just been sort of a um, social media friendship and staying loosely in touch with each other. But bring me up to speed and bring listeners up to speed on just kind of uh, what you what, what what the work that you do is all about? Okay, um, so I became a registered psychologist four years ago, but I've been working in the field of mental health since um, 2004, and uh, had my master's degree in 2009. So I was practicing mental health therapy as a mental health therapist until then, and then uh, became a psychologist later on. Um, the work didn't shift much. It's more of a title shift that happened uh, at that point. Um, and um, I have had my private practice since 2009, um, but it was really tiny. I saw one to two people a week in the back of a chiropractic office and a Sun Life <laughs> financial building um, and just slowly over time built my practice while working for places like AHS or Primary Care Network. and. Um, and now I'm fully private. Uh, it's just me. Um, and I'm there five days a week in Pinoca. And I have a student starting in the fall. Oh, wow. Congratulations on, on not just the, that addition to your team, but on all of that success. It sounds like it's been like many years um, of hard work to get to where you are and make this dream come true. And um, it's so important that we have people doing the work that you're doing in the front lines of um, of healthcare. And there are many facets to that. But I, I think what I'd love to, to kind of explore and unpack with you through this conversation today is the role that that mental health care workers play in um, supporting vulnerable people in our society, anyone who's struggling, 
with their mental health in the midst of these trying times that we're in. And um, to give a little bit of background and context of why I was thinking about that is that uh, last week, um, we on, on this podcast, we were talking about the role of faith communities and churches in providing sort of a spiritual equivalent of uh, frontline healthcare services. So on the, in this, the spiritual version of that is that we have these churches that exist to gather people together, lift each other up, support each other spiritually, and kind of fill up that cup that we all have, right? Our, our spiritual and emotional, mental health, um, a big part of that is, is people's uh, faith practices and traditions and the ability to, to gather to worship or to whatever the, whatever the, the tradition or, or practices that's meaningful to that person. And in the midst of this pandemic, when we can't get together in a church building, we're finding new and creative and innovative ways to do that. Um, so last week, that's what we were talking about. And it sounds like you are having to pivot a little bit and find uh, using technology to, to find ways to reach out to your patients and continue that care. How does uh, a psychologist take care of, uh, take care of people's um, mental health needs the way a church would with our spiritual health needs in the midst of uh, these crazy times and, and all the challenges that you're coping with? Well, it has been definitely difficult for many people to switch to an online platform. Um, at first, I think that it was quite uh, intimidating for both myself and many clients. Um, I do a lot of play therapy, so little kids. And at first I thought, that's it. There's no play therapy. I'll talk to their parents and hopefully provide some support that way. And we've managed. Um, mm. It's taken a little time, but previous to like prior to session I will talk to a parent and say can you please get this type of toy or art supply ready and I'll get mine ready and we'll play uh, virtually essentially wow. and that creativity came from my children and watching them interact with their friends over Facebook messenger and I thought they're playing dolls um, from different houses they they innovated and they're playing dolls and I thought if they can do that I can do that that's um, awesome. Because so much of what I do is holding space. Yeah, it's beautiful. Hmm. It's neat when you so, can transcend the, the distance um, and do that through a screen. Um, we, we've seen the same thing with our three kids. They've been holding, they've been having play dates with their cousins that are just, you know, four or five blocks away, but can't get together in the same, in the same home um, with dolls as well. Same as your story. And we've also seen them uh, carrying on their schoolwork, of course, but also things like dance lessons. Like our two girls have been continuing their dance lessons and the teacher will say, make sure you have your umbrella or your towel or what, all these different props, the yoga block, and make sure you've got that piece of plywood to do the, the your tap on so you're not damaging the floor. And they just, they get all set. They know they're now like two weeks into it and they were already into a routine. It's been a few weeks of it now online. So it's amazing how quickly we can adapt and pivot and change and make things work. And we, we have great examples of that from our, our youngest teachers, right? Um, in, our, in watching the way children will just, they're, they're so quick to adapt. What, when, you, when, you talk, when you think about your um, children that you work with, how are they responding? How are some of your, uh, your youngest patients uh, and clients responding to 
the challenges of this pandemic and the, the isolation and things that people are dealing with? Children, for the most part, will respond and take their cues from their parents. So if parents are managing well, um, feeling really confident, not becoming frazzled, children are um, doing well as, as well. Um, but many of the kids I'm working with already had struggles before this began. And because of that, um, it only increases the difficulties. Many of them have behavioral outbursts and difficulties with behavior, and parents aren't able to do their self-care the same way right now or, or take a break from a child who's maybe um, a little bit more demanding of their time. And so parents are maybe more dysregulated. Um, I know I'm certainly more dysregulated at home than I normally am, and then I see that come out in my children um, and just as they are. Uh, and another thing is sleep. Our kids aren't going to school and getting tired out. Mm. Uh, they're not playing outside as much. And so they're not as tired at bedtime. And the less sleep they have, the more difficult the next day becomes, as any mm. parent knows. Yeah. there's So that's so been... Many, it's all interconnected, hey? And yes, so absolutely. I, a lot of, of course, you're, you're just continuing care for patients that you've been seeing for who knows how long. Um, but you also mentioned... It, your phone's been been ringing, and you've been getting a lot of emails and messages from people who would like to get into the to the clinic um, as new patients. Um, mm -hmm. Some uh, some of that might be a direct result of um, you know being isolated at home, being laid off from a job, um, the fear and anxiety of of all of the uncertainty of the future that we're all dealing with right now in our own ways. And then some of it might, you know, might have been people that would have been calling you anyway, just with things going on in their lives, traumas or, or what have you. But in, in general, how would you kind of describe um, what you're seeing on the front lines in terms of people's, uh, pe what people are dealing with because of the COVID-19 crisis and uh, what types of needs you are responding to typically? For clients who um, have been working on really hard things for uh, a period of time with me and are in continuing care, we've had to pivot again and move into more of a crisis management. Um, it can be quite difficult to do trauma work uh, in the middle of a pandemic. And so um, we've had to take a little break from digging into the deep stuff and just talk revisiting the coping skills that everybody needs to be practicing right now. Um, and just keeping on track instead of falling back into old patterns because a lot of people are triggered um, and there's a lot less self-care happening right now. Um, new people, absolutely. There are some that are calling because COVID is uh, stressful or finances are stressful or being stuck in the home with your spouse uh, 24 hours a day is stressful. Um, and others are most certainly people who would have called anyway. Yeah. I mean, there's there's such a, a wide range of challenges that people are dealing with. Even if, even if your finances are stable, even if you're in a great marriage, even if you love your kids to death and your kids love you, it just you could have the picture perfect scenario or family or what have you, and it's still going to be hard. And then on Absolutely. top of that, you've got people who are in unsafe uh, domestic relationships, or they're um, they're already dealing with chemical uh, imbalances or they're dealing with substance abuse or they're dealing with any of the long list of, of things. 
Uh, and this is just kind of gasoline on the fire for a lot of those people, I'm sure. Absolutely. Addiction's a really tricky one right now. Um, if you go on Facebook, every second meme is uh, normalizing wine consumption, mm. saying things like, everybody's drinking during COVID. Are you drinking as much as I'm drinking? It's 10 a.m. Is it okay? And for those of us without alcohol issues, it's funny. Yay, we're all drinking more wine. Um, for those who are struggling to stay sober, those memes, those jokes, those we're coping with the pandemic by drinking uh, statements are very difficult and really mm. triggering. Um, I hadn't thought about that. It would be though. And for someone who's um, uh, a recovering alcoholic and already somewhat down that path of maybe they're in the 12 step program, maybe they're, uh, they're part of their strategy is going to AA meetings. All of a sudden that's taken away too, or at least the the face-to-face group meetings or, and, uh, or one-on-one meetings with a, with a sponsor, for example. And so I'm sure you're seeing a lot of that too, where people are needing some form of support, right? Mm-hmm. And we can connect and, and people like the amazing Dr. Hinshaw say, uh, connecting this way over Zoom or FaceTime or Kids Messenger is a great way to connect. Um, and seeing someone's face is better than a text or a phone call. But it's not the same when we're talking about co-regulating our emotions and mirror neurons. Um, I know in my work, body language is 90% of what I do. Oh, really? So when I have a client who only wants telephone, it's it's a difficult session to know what's mm. happening for them. And so same for AA. Um, it's not the same level of support or comfort when we can't be face-to-face and with that group and feel that energy that people bring. And mm. so it de- it's definitely a struggle. I, I would say one of the things that we're likely to take away from, from this, whether, I mean, we don't know how long, how much longer it's going to last or, um, or when uh, we'll be able to return to whatever normal, the new normal is going to look like. But one of the many things that I think our society is going to take away from this is a, a much heightened sense of appreciation for how much we do need that physical contact and how much we need um, the just just what we get what we the benefits that we gain from gathering from being face to face with someone from our kids having a play date from family getting together Um, and so hopefully we won't uh, take those things for granted anytime soon again after we're allowed to have them back Um, Do you have a lot of people coming to you with questions and concerns that you just don't have the answers for in terms of like, you know, the people just want to know when it's going to be all over. They want to know how, how soon they'll be able to go back to, to um, their, their normal lives. And of course you don't know uh, the answers to that, those questions any more than I do or anyone else does, or even Dr. Hinshaw does. But what do, you, what do you tell people that are really struggling with anxiety specifically related to just how much is unknown, all of, all of this uncertainty? I first tell them that I'm in the same boat. Um, people ask me often how I do the job I do because I hear the stories I hear all day long. And it's because they're not mine. I have found that during COVID, their story is my story. 
And so keeping separate their feelings from mine is, um, is much more difficult because I'm in the same boat. I want to be able to see friends. I miss regular life and I want all the same answers they want. Um, so I usually suggest that we make goals. Um, it might be something we're looking forward to in the future. Uh, it might be something we're going to do next week, but something that we can control that we're looking mm. forward to so that we have some kind of an eye on the prize. Mm. Um, so we so don't know when we're going to get to go camping, but we do know eventually we will be able to leave our homes. What can we do out there when that happens? Got it. So either choosing something that, um, that could never be canceled because you just, you can, you can already figure out a way to, to make sure that you can do that activity or have achieved that goal or having a goal that, you can't do right now, but you know that eventually you're going to be able to, to do that thing. Sure. Yeah. For instance, um, our family is uh, getting a therapy dog and he'll come to my office and he'll be trained that way. And he was born uh, two days ago. And uh, so he'll come home to us in June. I have no idea what's happening with COVID-19. I don't know what's going to go on in the summer, but I do know that we're adopting a puppy and he'll come to home in June and he's going to need <laughs> love and care. And so that's something that my family is focusing on. Um, mm. Other people, it might be a future vacation or uh, some online classes, but something to look forward to. Got it. Yeah, we, uh, this coming weekend is um, our daughter Elise's birthday on Sunday, and then my birthday is the day after hers on on Monday. And she's been for weeks um, looking forward to her birthday. And when all of this first was starting, she was saying, you know, Mom, Dad, are we going to be able to have people over on my birthday? Are we going to be able to have my birthday party and have people over, have my friends over, have a sleepover? She had um, grand plans uh, for her birthday. And, you know, we've just been telling her, keep those plans and we just might have to shift your birthday party. We'll celebrate your birthday on Sunday. Absolutely. We're going to make it special. And, um, and we'll, and obviously at this point, we're going to have to do that without having people over. But um, we also have promised her that we're, we're going to celebrate your birthday still with all the things that you wanted with the sleepover and uh, whether it's a pool party in our backyard or whatever we're going to do. Uh, it just might be in, in June or even July, who knows? And so that's, I think, helped a little bit to to reassure her that she's still going to get that thing that's special that she was looking forward to. It just might be a bit later. So I can Absolutely. see how that would really um, be an important thing to have in your tool belt for people that are really um, struggling to the point where their mental health is, is uh, either unstable or just a constant concern. And I think even for people who are really healthy, the, the unknown is hard on all of us. Mm -hmm. um, none of us know what's coming next. And even when we're in really stable, healthy mental states and loving families, we all kind of need something to hold on to and ground to. Mm. Uh, I also want to just circle back to what you said about uh, separating yourself from someone else's story. And I think with, um, with healthcare workers that are, you know, nurses and doctors and uh, respiratory therapists and all of these different um, really specific healthcare roles that none of us knew existed until COVID-19. And now we are hearing about them, whether you're working in those fields or whether you're a minister and you're 
um, helping people grieve uh, a loss uh, after someone has died or uh, helping someone who's struggling with uh, grieving a loss of a marriage or a loss of a job um, and providing that spiritual support or someone in your shoes who's supporting people with mental health. We often hear about how, you know, we, those, those folks uh, have to str- have to try really hard to not bring all of that home with them. Right. And that can be really hard. And so I can see how delineating that and making that distinction that that's, that doesn't belong to me. That's this other person's story. That's my patient's story. It's not mine. It doesn't belong to me. And now here you are in a situation where the things that a lot of people coming to you are, that are, they're struggling with, you have to go home and face as well. Right. Yeah. So we are all in this together in, in some senses, it's this great unifying factor that everyone on the planet, like there isn't, I remember when this all started, we thought, oh, the, this, there's this COVID virus uh, floating around in China. That's something yeah. that's going on on the other side of the world. Not happening here. And it's still, like if, for us in central Alberta, it's still pretty easy to think, oh, that's something that's happening um, in New York, in Italy, in Spain, in Quebec. It's getting really bad. Um, Ontario has a lot more cases. Even BC has more cases than Alberta. And so you're starting to feel it closing in. Like there's there's examples of it that are hitting closer and closer to home. And maybe you have a friend in Italy or maybe you know someone in, I mean, everybody knows someone in New York. Like our world is is getting smaller and smaller in the terms of that, the degrees of separation, you know, that we are all connected, but it doesn't always feel like that. And now we've got this situation that's happening to all of us all 7 billion of us all at the same time. And there isn't any corner of the world that it's not going to eventually impact. Um, even if you're living somewhere where there aren't a lot of cases, it's impacted our global economy. It's impacted our food distribution systems. It's impacted um, literally our entire world. And so I can imagine that for healthcare, uh, physical healthcare and mental healthcare and spiritual healthcare workers, it is more challenging to to provide support without also feeling it yourself mm-hmm. do, do you think that that helps to provide even more empathy that you're you are someone who's experiencing it with the patient or does it just make it really hard for you that you're not able to make that separation as easily I think the bigger question is if it's hard for my husband. Um, <laughs> um, I, um, I, I tell myself the same things I tell my uh, clients, and that is we need to name it to tame it. And I, uh, I know that my anxiety response is control. So, um, you know, I have to apologize to my husband about three times a week for trying to tell him how to parent the kids while I'm at work because he's mm. at home with them right now. And, um, that's my anxiety response. And if I'm not paying attention to that, I can't uh, own it and I can't apologize for it and I can't uh, try and change it. And so I say the same things to my clients. Um, and I tell them that I'm in the same boat as them. I think that being a human and being genuine and authentic is how we create trust and, um, create that relationship needed, but whether it's doctor, patient, um, pastor, patient, psychologist, and patient, um, if we're not real and truthful about who we are, it's really hard to connect with and help other people. And so we just have to be human. Mm. 
I love what you said about being real. And I think that, uh, I mean, I don't want to make presumptions for how this is impacting others, but I think for myself, having all of this time where like I've, uh, I've been at home for about 40 days or so uh, where I've been doing some work from home, but it's been less work than I would normally be doing if I was at my office and out uh, as a filmmaker, you know, traveling all over the place with my camera. I'm not able to do that, that part of my job. And so I've been fortunate that I've had some work that I've been able to finish up some projects and work on some things from home and do remote work and meet with clients and things over the phone and over Zoom. But in general, I've got a lot of time to reflect compared to my normal day to day. And so there's been a lot of blessings from that. I've been really enjoying having more time with the kids and more time with Kelly and uh, time available to reach out to people and check in and seeing how different friends and family are doing um, that I maybe wouldn't normally have time to do. Uh, I'm trying to do more reading and things that are really positive and constructive and calming and not just spend all that extra time flipping through the news and reading uh, scary articles and things like that. But I think that um, even if it's just in the little in-between moments of while you're making yourself a sandwich or a coffee, there's a little bit more quiet and there's a bit more time to think and reflect. Um, and even if it is while you're scrolling through Facebook, you're seeing other people's contemplative thoughts and, and reading uh, the thoughts of other people that are reflecting on their lives and the meaning of, you know, what does this all mean that we're all going through all of this together? And so I find it interesting that we're kind of in the midst of a pandemic, but also in the midst of a really reflective time. And I, and I, I get that I'm coming from a privileged um, place when I say that, that there are many people who aren't just sitting at home meditating and chilling. They've, they've got toddlers running around them, screaming and climbing on them and drawing on the walls. And life is, feels like it's falling apart around them. Um, so I know that that's not everyone's experience, but I'm curious, um, in the line of work that you're in and with the things that you are supporting people through, have you been able to find time to, to kind of be, uh, reflective on, on our, our, our human story through all of this? I also come from a place of privilege and am, am so blessed. Um, my husband was laid off, but um, I've been fortunate enough to be, as we said, as busy as ever. And um, so I do have some time um, and I have really appreciated and learned a lot about the importance of slowing down because I'm a mover and shaker. I'm a doer. Um, and I'm a goer. I'm never at home unless I have to be because we're always off on an activity with family and friends. And uh, I don't ever just sit on the couch all day on a Saturday. And I've had to do that. And, um, and it's great. Uh, and relaxing, <laughs> relaxing is great. And I never um, really experienced it this way before. Um, so in my uh, place of privilege, it's wonderful. For many of my clients who struggle with anxiety and overthinking, it's a nightmare hmm. uh, because they have way too much time on their hands to let those uh, negative thought spirals take over. Mm, I can only and imagine. 
Yeah, and a lot less distraction, right? Normally we go to work every day and we have time to be distracted and give our brain that break. But uh, those working from home can struggle with focus and being on task because our minds are are being pulled to um, all of the worst case scenarios that uh, we're we're seeing in the news. So yeah, absolutely, and. And you, you just, we do have a lot of distractions at our fingertips with social media, with um, binge watching different programs on Amazon Prime and Netflix. Like you could, you could sit on, you could sit on the couch all day Saturday and the other six days of the weekend, you'd never get it all watched. There is so much out there asking for our attention. Um, and a hundred years ago when they had the Spanish influenza that wiped, that spread across the world and, and, um, killed a lot of people uh i've read about people attempting to isolate themselves so that they wouldn't catch the virus but you would have just been in your home with no no internet no telephone no computers very little to keep yourself occupied and distracted and you'd have to kind of just be with yourself and and also you know uh there, there are a lot of people in our world here right now in 2020 that don't have those conveniences and luxuries that we have in the West. Um, people who don't even own a refrigerator and they're stuck at home somehow having to figure out how to provide for their three or four or 10 children and not even be able to uh, get out to the market to buy fresh food for your family every day because of all of the restrictions. And so it's, that also is something that uh, for me personally, I find will come in and start weighing on me that you start thinking about all the people who are out there in the world who are far worse off than we are. And so you, you wrestle with that privilege, you wrestle with that disparity and that inequality in the world. And one hope that I have is that it will um, fuel further change and that we can, again, reflect on on some of these things that, you know, this doesn't really work for everyone, the way we're doing uh, society, the way, the way we're operating our, our civilization as a race. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I'm so grateful that there are people like you, Tammy, that are doing the work that you're doing. And I know that right now is a challenging time to be doing it. But um, tell me what, what it is for you that uh, makes it worthwhile or rewarding or meaningful? Oh, there's, there's so many things. Um, I've always been that helper person, right? Since I was young, I was the person who wanted to help my friends and listen to their problems. And I think it gave me self-esteem to be, um, to be someone who, um, who could listen and who people liked talking to. So that boosted me up at a young age. And I knew I wanted to be a psychologist since like ninth grade. Um, and so it was a long journey, but uh, it was always the path. And that's what I love about it is being along other people's journeys. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I don't know if the next time I hear from someone, it'll be uh, from a hospital because they've attempted suicide. Um, I don't have control when I say goodbye and let them leave um, as to what's going to happen when I'm really scared for them. But I also see families falling apart that come together stronger and couples on the brink of divorce that um, are reunified and have that spark again. And I see depressed people 
living their dreams and like fulfilling um, lives and anxious people who can again leave their houses and when they before were trapped inside. Um, So watching people recover, even if it's just for the small part of the journey I get to join them on, um, that's, that's the reason to, to work with people and um, support them through their mental health. Wow. So, uh, oh man, there's so many directions we could go in from, from everything that you just shared. And it's, it's incredible. The impact I think that you're having on people, um, hearing some of those examples, you know, of, of that transformation really to like, you're giving, you are, you are, um, having an impact that gives that person a whole new life, but you're not, you're at the same time, you're not giving it to them. They're having to do the work themselves. Right. Yeah. I'm sure that's something that you're, that you talk about with, with anyone that you work with is that they have to take the the step. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And at the very beginning, you said, um, do you have the answers? And uh, I, no one has the answers to COVID. But the truth is, I don't have the answers to any of it. Um, I don't have the answers to a perfect marriage. I deal with my marriage. I love my husband, but marriage is never perfect. Um, I talk about my children often when I'm presenting. I have two beautiful little girls, both who struggle with anxiety in their own ways. And so we manage that at home and um, by far don't come from a perfect parenting's perspective. Um, And so I share my downfalls openly for that humanity reason. And um, yeah, it's just um, helping people find what's within them and getting them to name what's going on and even recognize it is half the battle to even recognize where it's coming from um, and what, uh, what it is that's uh, ailing them and then joining them on the journey for only as long as they want or need me there. Uh, sometimes mm. that's five years and sometimes it's five sessions um, and then they're done and they go on and many I never see or hear from again. And you just have to kind of hope for the best for that person. Hey, that's got to be its own challenge too. Just the the unknown of, I wonder if that person ever repaired that relationship with their sibling or with their ex or with their child or whatever the situation was. And you got that little glimpse, and then poof, they're gone, and you don't know you don't you don't get to watch the rest of that series, right? No, absolutely. It's a it's the ultimate cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, I do sometimes I have had a few fortunate occasions of seeing kids when they were five, six years old, and then having them come back to me in their uh, young adult years. And um, that's, I love it. I love, I've had kids so anxious, they wouldn't leave their parents lap, uh, coming back with completely different adult issues that they just want to go over. And my main goal with children and teens is always to just leave a good flavor of therapy in their mouth mm. um, so that they go in my adult years when I want this, I, I know it's a good thing. I'm willing to try it again. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Because like you said earlier, um, we're all always going to be dealing with ourselves, you know, wherever we go, there we are and yeah. we're still going to be human and yeah. we're still going to have relationships and those relationships are still going to take work. Absolutely. And so um, I think there's a lot of people though that that associate, and I'm sure you deal with this all the time. This association uh, or this story that we create about, 
you know, therapy being for some, for broken people, right? Like therapy or um, going and seeing a psychologist or a psychiatrist, that's, so that's, that's for, you know, people who are really, really struggling, really uh, uh, imbalanced. Um, that's not for me. Uh, but the truth is, uh, I think anybody can, can obviously benefit from it. And having that story can cut a lot of people off from accessing supports that could really benefit, really benefit them, right? Absolutely. Um, it's getting better all the time, but certainly people uh, make contact with me for the first time are often in fear and in an anxious state and are scared to attend that first session. Um, but therapy really is for everyone. And I wish um, that everyone had that opportunity to give it a try at some point. I've done lots of personal therapy in my life um, and I seek it when I need it. And it's never for anything uh, profound. It's usually a stress bubble that I'm going through or, you know, maybe a grief issue um, and just looking for someone extra to talk to. People typically report um, liking therapy in the end, just simply because they don't have to feel the burden of talking to others um, and dumping on them. And uh, they have someone that they feel like they can dump it on and walk away and, and not worry about it. And, and I love that. Um, even though I do encourage them to talk to family and friends as well, right? Um, because that support team is essential. Um, but many of the people I see are, are, are your friends and our neighbors and the person working in the bank or the mall. Um, they're people we all know. Yeah. How often do you hear someone say, oh, thank you. I, I think I just needed to vent. Like yeah. that, uh, getting something off your chest, having that release. Uh, we have all these expressions around that, right? Um, but then I think I, from my own experience, again, there's, there's a distinction between simply venting something, which is often takes the form of just complaining about something and then doing doing the real work to get to the bottom of, okay, why was I triggered? What am I really dealing with? What past experience uh, is, is at play here or trauma or memory that I've shoved underneath and that I'm not willing to really address or even conscious of. And so there, it's great that for people to have um, a friend or a relative or a therapist that they can vent to. And then there's also doing the work, right? So the work um, is sometimes really um, obvious and I say things like, this is what I want you to try for the next week and then next week we'll talk about it. And sometimes the work comes out of um, simply my response to what they're saying. And that's the main differentiation between talking to a friend and talking to a psychologist is I may ask a question a certain way or um, even just... Um, parrot back what they said in a different way that causes, uh, hopefully, them to question or notice or um, listen to themselves about what's happening that a friend might not. Friends are really good at, yeah, he's a jerk. You're right. Mm -hmm. you, you are right. He is awful. And I might say something like, I wonder how he felt. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really about how you respond. Totally. I, I remember a friend of mine when I was in university and I was struggling with something uh, uh, relationship related and my buddy Nick would listen to me go on and on about all the different ways I was trying to spin it in my head or trying to understand it. And he would just say, Hey, I'm just on team Ben. Like <laughs> he wasn't even trying to hide it. He was just like, 
hey, I'll support you. You're right. And wherever you're going to land on this. So yeah, it, having that objective person who's not not in your corner and willing to just cheer you on no matter what you're going to path you're going to take, but having the, uh, and this could be in the form of a friend too, right? Like you, I think, I think of relationships like my, in my marriage where Kelly is the one who, cha- she's the one who challenges me. Yeah. She, in, in many ways, she's providing that therapy um, conversation to me where she's willing to take us to stand up for me and say, you know, I, I don't, I think you need to look at this or, uh, or whatever the case is. Um, I think we'll just take a few more minutes here, Tammy, to, uh, and I'd love to hear um, some suggestions that you might have for the person who's at home listening to this and they're struggling with whether it's just the uncertainty of the future and what this summer is going to look like in, in our communities and with their work and their homeschooling, whatever it is they're dealing with. And they're maybe not going to go and contact a therapist or a psychologist or go and get that professional help, but just all of, like you said, all of us have, um, uh, have mental health needs, right? And so what are some things from, from your perspective that all of us should be just trying to incorporate into our day to, to get through this together? The first thing I say to every client that I have right now, every time I talk to them, um, is I check in on their sleep. Mm. So when we don't have to get up and go to work the next day, it's really easy to stay up way too late or to have sporadic sleep. Um, And this research shows that if we go to sleep at different times every night, even if we're getting a full eight hours, it's not as deep or restorative of sleep as if you have a routine bedtime. And so um, without a regular routine of work and school, a lot of kids are up too late. A lot of adults are binge watching things till three in the morning. Um, And so we really need to sleep. So I don't care if it's midnight or 10 p.m., but we need to go to sleep every night at the same night as as much as possible. Uh, Eating. We would think that that's pretty ingrained in us. But again, without a (laughs) schedule, uh, people will... Uh, suddenly find it's 5 p.m. and they haven't eaten yet today. Um, Others are eating all day long. And so uh, our internal clocks are getting mixed up. And when our internal clocks are mixed up, our brain isn't functioning at its best. And when our brain's not functioning, our mental health suffers. So eating, breakfast, lunch, and dinner are really important. Um, If you have kids, having a schedule for those kids, not a strict perfect schedule, but an idea of what that day will look like um, is really helpful for them as well as for the adults in the home just to keep things on track. And um, after we talk about kind of those basic things that need to happen, we start talking about how do we reinvent our self-care. My personal self-care is going to see my friends. I can't go see my friends. Um, So how do we make that happen now? And um, if it's not enough to FaceTime with a friend, what does that look like? If it's that usually go for a run, um, but there's no one to take care of the kids while you go for a run, what do you do differently? Um, And so really having to take a deeper look at how we're taking care of ourselves is really important. Um, And a lot of people don't have time away 
right now. Everybody's in the same house. Um, again, some of us come from a privileged place where we can separate in our homes. I have clients with three bedrooms with eight kids. So um, there's no time that they're not with somebody mm-hmm. and having a down downtime moment and it's overwhelming. So what does self-care look like? What does alone time look like? And how do we uh, change that um, right now for what we need? And then the other big one is having something to look forward to. Hmm. Those are uh, really simple sounding building blocks or like mm-hmm. pillars. But um, when you break it down that way, it makes it easy to remember, easy to think about. And uh, I can see how all of those would, would relate to each other and connect uh, into forming um, an overall just huge impact on how we're able to cope with our circumstances for better or for worse. You know, um, all the examples you just listed. Um, and, and with the example of someone who's got, uh, you know, a lot of kids and maybe a small home. On the other extreme, we're also in our communities have loads and loads of people who live completely alone. Yes, absolutely. And, and maybe don't even have um, a laptop or they're uh, not comfortable with technology to, to use FaceTime or, or Zoom or those sorts of things. So um, for those people as well, they, you know, they really need to get creative and um, find solutions that are going to work to to. Uh, practice that self-care, but also stay safe, right? When it comes to our seniors or those that are in that situation uh, where they're home and can't see people, I really encourage anyone who knows somebody in that situation to reach out, to leave something on the porch, to arrange a window visit and and wave uh, to them and and have some face-to-face real human contact um, senior citizens are at our highest risk for suicide um, and have the highest suicide rate out of all of the age groups. And, um, and it's a lonely time of life uh, already for many. And so reach out if, if you know someone. And for those of us who have the time to contemplate, I hope that some of our contemplation is about how to help others and how we can be reaching out or volunteering or donating right now. Um, because many people, not just on the other side of the world, but down the road, are in need, and um, and we're we're sometimes we sometimes forget about them because of the the commercials that make you cry from the other side of the world. But mm-hmm. just down the road, we have hungry kids and families with not enough food. Yeah, those those absolute basic needs um, are lots of times not being met, but. Um, as we talked about earlier too, it's not just the the essentials of housing and food and clothing, but there are um, countless other ways that people can be struggling, whether it's with domestic violence that they now all of a sudden can't escape or whether it's um, mental health where the, the coping mechanisms and the self-care that you normally would practice is all of a sudden not there or struggles with addiction. So you you cannot make the assumption that you know, because I'm privileged, then, you know, all of us here in, in our communities and in our country are privileged. You know, we, in general, we're so lucky as Canadians that we have, for example, healthcare um, that even south of the border, they're, they're not uh, able to access uh, in the same way. 
And so that you can make those generalizations, but you're absolutely right. There's so many people right here at home that we can be thinking about supporting, reaching out uh, to, to try to, to just share some love and some support and whether that's through dollars or donations or just uh, something that you put in the window or drop off on someone's porch. And it's one thing that is cool about social media today, uh, even with all of the scary articles and headlines, is that you're also seeing some really inspiring and uplifting examples of ways that people are getting creative about supporting, uh, providing support to others. So yes. I do find some encouragement in seeing that that sort of thing too when you scroll through Facebook. Um, yes. Any final thoughts, Tammy, that you'd like to share with our communi community where the, the Six Ways from Sunday listeners um, are just sort of a loose community of people who um, are seekers, spiritual wanderers, and, um, you know, it's really not about religion or about providing uh, answers to people's spiritual questions, but just connection with others who are um, wherever they are in their journey of um, asking deep and important spiritual questions and just creating that community of faith that we are uh, all a part of. The, the last thing that I would share is, is what you just uh, touched on is connection and whether it's our heroes in the, the medical field right now or um, our churches and church leaders um, or, you know, the mental health professionals or the addictions therapists or whomever, the caregivers in group homes, uh, whomever it is that's giving, it all comes down to connection and uh, reaching out and stating what we need and uh, asking for help and being okay with that and not judging others when they need it. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. I love that as a, as a final thought to end on, Tammy. It, it really is all about that. And um, I have no doubt that people will have gotten lots of that um, from listening to you today. So thank you so much for oh, spending you. some time with me. Um, sitting in your car outside your clinic where it's nice and quiet and now you get to go home to your husband and girls and I hope that you have a great evening with them and um, know you'll be facing a lot more of this uh, again tomorrow on your plate and just again want to acknowledge and thank you for the work you're doing to support people in Pinoka and um, and now through this podcast um, anywhere in the world that people are listening to us. Thank you so much thanks for inviting me on. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. I hope you got lots out of this conversation uh, with Tammy. And if you'd like to uh, get in touch with Tammy, you can do that by first getting in touch with us at, uh, on the Six Ways from Sunday podcast or myself, Ben, on Facebook uh, or by email. And you can find our contact info at the risingspiritministry.com website or our Facebook page is Six Ways from Sunday on Facebook. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And until you join us next time, take care and be well.